Lord, I thank you so much for Pastor Phil, Lord. I thank you um, for how he just yearns to follow you, Father God. He he yearns to see where you're leading him and us as a church, Lord. And I thank you for that. Thank you for the anointing that you've poured on his life. And I pray that you would bless him this morning as he speaks on purpose. Um, God, I pray that you would just give him every single word you want him to say this morning. And he would uh, sense the presence of your Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. 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 Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you this morning, and uh, great worship, great to hear the testimonies. It's always good to hear testimonies, isn't it? And uh, we have a great group of students, and uh, yeah, wonderful to have them uh, at our church. Uh, Now, uh, this morning, we are going to focus on uh, a passage in Daniel chapter 3, and it's one of those kind of passages that's got so much in it, and it is so long because it's got so much in it, that you do need to, I do encourage you to read it at some point uh, on your own. And, uh, and actually, if I get boring, feel free to read it, but only that on your phone, nothing else. Okay, so it's such an exciting um, passage uh, of Scripture. Um, I remember once um, in a church where Wendy and I were brought up, we were young once, actually, and Wendy, yeah, I was young once, unique convincing, but... Uh, and I remember that uh, the guy preaching was from Sunderland. He was the pastor of the church, his Methodist church in Derby. And he was getting, uh, even though it's Methodist church, very big Methodist church, he was getting really excited about what he was sharing about the gospel. And he just stopped. And he said, I can't believe I'm getting paid to say this. Because it was just so good, he couldn't believe he was getting paid. And his times as a pastor... When I think that, and there's times when you think, I can't believe he's getting paid for... Um, <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine, that's absolutely fine. But there's times when you just think, just amazing, you know, what we, what we are looking at. Now, um, Daniel, the book of Daniel is just so full of stuff that they could make an amazing amount of films um, um, about it. Now, I don't know about you for your life... Um, if you have to make a film about it, who would you like to play you in the film? Um, now, for me, obviously, Brad Pitt would love to be available uh, for that particular uh, moment to play me. It's not that funny. But anyway, it's... Uh... Now, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and just, just great books. How many of you have read anything or seen any of the films, Lord of the Rings and a lot of you... Now, now, Tolkien, just, just great, he's, he's a man of faith, he's a Christian, and I might have said this before. He says, you know, with his books and his films that are just bestsellers, millions of people watch them, he says, you can make this up, because he did make it up. But he says, as a Christian, when he looks at the Bible, he says, you can't make this up. You can't make it up. It's just, it's just so incredible, isn't it? And, it? and even before we get to the life of Jesus in the Old Testament, even somebody like the, the life of Daniel, you can't make it up. Hollywood could never make make it up. It's just extraordinary. Now, Daniel uh, was around about 600 BC, and uh, we read about him when he's um, been dragged off from Jerusalem. He was kind of either in the royal family, on the fringe of the royal family. He was high up in society. All those that were well-educated were dragged off to Babylon because King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon wanted the, the best to serve him. And so Daniel was dragged over to Babylon. Babylon was the biggest city of the world at the time, 200,000. doesn't quite compare with um, Birmingham, the size of Birmingham, um, but it was the largest city in the world at that time. It was a, a, a vast 
Empire. Babylon is a term that we're kind of familiar with, aren't we? So in Genesis, um, we have the Tower of Babel, that's rooted back, and, and that kind of illustrates uh, arrogance and confusion. Then all the way from Genesis to Revelation, it kind of refers, and there's something, there's a statement referred to as the war of the war, W H R E, uh, of Babylon. So it just reflects how Babylon was viewed. So Daniel and uh, those that he were very close to him were dragged off to uh, Babylon to serve there. Now, as we started to look at last, last week, how did they continue to serve God's purposes within that land, this strange land? But not only did Daniel survive, but he thrived there, which is incredible. And in 1 Peter, looking at the New Testament, for those that have, have become Christians, um, Peter, in uh, one of his letters at the start, he, he says this, that as we're strangers in the world and we're scattered throughout the world, the call, the call is not just to survive, but to thrive, to make a difference in that environment where we find ourselves. And Daniel, as I said last week, he outlived four kings, two empires, and helped to change history. And as Charles Swindle said, life is 10% of what happens to me, but it's 90% of how I react to it. And Daniel did not lose his dream, his identity, and his hope. Now, we've been looking at this well-being series. We've been leading up to it for a while, and we're kind of in the middle of it. And, and the biblical perspective of well-being and all the different aspects that God wants us to be well. But it's not about just being well for our own sakes. Um, Nicholas Wallerstaff of Yale, Yale University, he's a philosopher, he said this, modern culture defines the happy life as the life that's going well, experiences and pleasure, whilst the ancients, the happy life, meant a life that is lived well. And God's desire is not only that we feel well, but we have a, live a life that's, that it's lived well and fit for the purpose that he has for us. And Daniel and uh, his friends uh, are dragged off into uh, Babylon. And uh, just as a footnote, this is where this uh, Jeremiah the prophet also speaks about Babylon when they were there in exile for 70 years. And uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, in context, God says to them, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Even in exile, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So that is the context that that well-known verse is spoken to those that are in exile, to those that think, I'd rather not be here, but God says, I know the plans I have for you, and I have a hope and a future. And, and Daniel does everything he can to stay, to stay fit for purpose. And last week we looked at how he wanted to eat healthy and, and also honor God with the choices that he made. Uh, he, he stayed faithful, he trusted God, and God entrusted him with some amazing interpretations of dreams, which you can read in the book of Daniel. He kept his identity as the child of God. They tried to change his name so that he would fit him within the culture, but he wanted to keep the name Daniel, which means that God is my judge, 
God is the one that is, who is watching me. It is him who I serve, not anybody else. First and foremost, he kept his focus. And one of the things I just wanted to touch on this morning in the time that got left is that, that Daniel, he had this, this incredible friendship group. He had this great friendship group. These times when we, we, we hear of him with three other people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the four of them were thick as thieves, I'm sure. I bet there, there was a lot of banter when they were together. Uh, godly banter, I'm sure. But they really um, helped each other to thrive within this environment. They were all on the same page. We know that Daniel got Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego their jobs because uh, uh, Daniel was one of the governors and he got them their jobs. It really was job for, jobs for the boys. He got them their jobs. He got them their careers going, even in Babylon. And they formed this great friendship. Now, Mother Teresa says this, people who love each other fully are truly the happiest people in the world. They may have little, they may have nothing, but they are happy people. Everything depends on how we love one another. And they had this this grouping together uh, where they loved one another and helped each other to stand firm. Now, there's no doubt that becoming a Christian, you kind of gain lots of other friends. And I never thought that I'd have friends who weren't into sport. But some of you are friends and you're not into sport. Now, I don't get it. It's okay. God will do something at some point to help you. I mean, the shape of the world is a ball. I mean, it's not hard, is it, to recognize some of his priorities for us in life? And, um, and some of you are still not getting it, are you? I can tell. But in Scripture, we read of fellowship, relationships, at a very deep level that go beyond superficiality. And Jesus had some of these relationships as well, didn't he, with people. And Daniel, these relationships helped him to be well spiritually as well as many other areas. Now if you go to Daniel chapter 6, I think it's chapter 6, you'll read that Daniel prays three times a day whether he needed to or not. He prays three times a day. It tells us the time when he prays, opens the window, faces Jerusalem. It's not that we've got to face Jerusalem. When you pray, you don't even have to face towards Encounter Church. It's okay. But he faces Jerusalem and he prays. Now let me say this for those of us, those of us who say, I'm too busy to pray. Daniel was one of the governors of Babylon. And he prays three times a day, whether he needs to or not. Now why do I add on whether he needs to or not? It's because some of us will only pray when we need to. And... and The Bible in Ephesians chapter 6 says this, put on the full full armour of God so when the day of trouble comes, you are able to stand. So that is why we pray. That is why we read the Bible. That's why we have a fellowship. Not because something is wrong, but one of the reasons is that when trouble comes, we will be able to stand. And Daniel was able to stand. So in chapter 2 of Daniel, flitting around a little bit, they, there was an incredible situation 
where their lives are at stake and the four of them get together. You can read it themselves. They pray and the situation is resolved. God gives Daniel the interpretation of a dream and everybody's lives are saved. But in chapter 3, which is what we're just touching on at the moment, Daniel is not around. So they're kind of their mentor is not around. So there's the three of them. He talks about Shadrach, Meshach and uh, Abednego. And this is what's happening. At that particular point, King Nebuchadnezzar has built in, in Jerusalem, sorry Jerusalem, not Jerusalem, Babylon, let's get it right, yeah, um, Babylon, this 90-foot statue made of gold of him. And you can see why that wasn't in Jerusalem, so it was in Babylon. And the thing was that this trumpet was supposed to blast. When this trumpet would blast, everybody was ordered to bow down in the direction of this statue in awe of King Nebuchadnezzar. And everybody did it when the, statue, when the, the trumpet, uh, there was a trumpet blast. But some people in Babylon were very jealous of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how they served their God. So they wanted to get them into trouble because Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Daniel's friends, would not bow down to this statue. And let's read what happened. So chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. But there are some Jews... You have set over the affairs of the province, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of God that you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up for, for you? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, uh, if you are ready to fall down um, before this image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I don't think he could realise what he was saying. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand if you do do not bow down to my statue? Now, I can't believe how level-headed they were, how they coped with this. I like to think that when the pressure's on, I will do the right thing. I can't guarantee that I would have in this kind of situation. But despite the circumstances, they made their stand. Now, it's been said that one of the longest, stu- longest studies, uh, sorry, one of the best studies on longevity ever done by researchers found that um, healthy habits are contagious. You catch healthy habits off other people. So if you spend time with people who exercise, you're more likely to exercise. If you spend more time with people who are healthy, you're more likely to be healthy. I guess if you stay with people, hang around people who are positive, you're more likely to be a positive person. If you hang around people who have faith, you're more likely to have uh, faith. And our friendships, our circles, is reckoned can influence our outlook on life and our, and our health, even more than our DNA, affects us. Researchers tell us that the lack of relationship significantly affects our physical and mental health and our whole outlook of life. So our lack of relationship increases the likelihood of uh, engaging in unhealthy, self-destructive coping behaviours. 
It also decreases the likelihood that we'll make good lifestyle choices. Uh, Lack of relationship increases the likelihood of premature disease and death of all causes between 200 and 500%. Lack of relationship keeps us from fully experiencing the joy of everyday life. In Hebrews 10 it says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. David Pawson, in his book on Daniel, says this, that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he said that they knew they were better off in the furnace with God than outside of the furnace without God. And they were in a far better place. Now, I I love this because when I was reading this the other day, as as I was preparing, I just want to kind of... Look from verse 16. So we read verse 18 up to, eight, uh, up to verse 15. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So when Nebuchadnezzar makes this threat, well, if you don't bow down, you're going to go in this fiery furnace. I like the, just the way that this goes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. He says, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of idols of gold that you have made. And I just love the we in that. I just love the us in this, that we're standing in this together. And this is... You know, then the, the, them praying together meant that they, they had the armour of God on them. They were able to stand when the day of trouble, in, in the most provocative of situations. Somebody once says this, the fellowship of suffering is the deepest, most intense level of fellowship that you can have. That when the trouble is there, when you fellowship together, there's something deep and intense helping each other to stand. And they were able to stand in the day of trouble. Now I'd like to be able to say that they weren't thrown into the fiery furnace. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar was so angry that they didn't still bow down to his idol despite his warnings. Somehow it says that he makes the furnace seven times hotter. They were even in more trouble. Even so, so hot that even soldiers are on the fringe of the furnace Uh, were killed by the heat of this particular furnace. And then what happens, if if you've read the account, and we will read just the next bit in a moment, what we see is that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are in the fiery furnace because they've not bound down to this idol, and Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he sees four people, four figures, not just three. And we'll pick it up just from verse 25, if that's okay. Just read it a little bit more. And the king says, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So the three of them came out of the fire And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hair out of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, 
and there was no smell of fire on them. Then get this. Then Nebuchadnezzar says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel to rescue his servants. They trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve and worship any god except their own god. So Nebuchadnezzar says, well, if you refuse to bow down to my idol, who is going to save you? Well, here we are. He sees that there's a greater God than any God that he could possibly, possibly make. Now, it says that within the human heart that there is the desire to improve, uh, to grow, uh, to make a difference. That's, that's within the human heart. That is innate within us. And in, in uh, uh, the Greek term koinonia, he talks about a level of fellowship that, that is really deep. Sometimes people have groups in churches called koinonia, koinonia, don't they? To mean fellowship. And it means love, intimacy, and joyful joint participation, deep community, communion with each other, putting each other's needs before your own. And, and that's what often God uses uh, for our well-being and also for us to be fit for purpose. This deep level of relationship and communion with each other uh, to move us on to the next level. And, and I think it was even mentioned this morning. Uh, the Bible says, doesn't it, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. So God wants us to be sharp and fit for purpose, uh, to be sharp, be ready, to be able to stand firm. <coughs> Excuse me. So that means we need to be amongst those that are going to sharpen us, that aren't going to just help us to stay on the same level and, and make sure we don't just stay on the fringe of the, the, the church. I, I remember once at uh, uh, being at a conference at the organization I used to work with, Youth for Christ, and uh, I, I remember that um, as soon as any meeting finished, we used to be out there before the last song because we want to get to the pool table. And um, we were out there first for every meeting. We was out there at the coffee. And I remember somebody coming up to me uh, once and said, Phil, you really f- seem to be on the fringe of things. And it made me kind of sit up and, and take notice as if, as if God was saying that to me. You, you put yourself on the fringe of things. And I had put myself on the fringe of things. And it was a good nudge to get me in there. And uh, from then on, I, I stayed till the end of the last song. Now, what I mean is I didn't put myself on the fringe of things. didn't want to be out there first on the pool table. I want to be in amongst what God was, God was doing. I just want to encourage you, if that's for you, and um, don't put yourself on the fringe of things because God has got so much for us. So that it's good to be with like-minded people. And, and just to draw these things to a close, that they were in this together. And over the years, um, I've picked up as, as view that that many Christians have enjoyed whatever different groups they're involved in, at times for a season, getting two, three, four other people around them to pray together, people that are like-minded people, to pray about something specific and pray for each other, uh, to pray for um, our fruitfulness, uh, to pray for maybe our families. And, And many groups of people have done that over these years to great benefit and great blessing. And it goes back to when Billy Graham came in 1984, Uh, It's not as if people didn't ever get together and pray in three and fours, but it really took off when Billy Graham came in 1984 because, as we mentioned before, he was visiting stadiums all over the country. Birmingham, we know Villa Park, they came to. um, Went to Anfield, went to Bristol, went to 
Roker Park in Sunderland, all kinds of, and they went for a week at a time. All these stadiums were filled. They knew that millions of people were going to go to these events. And the guy who was to head up the prayer movement for this mission called Mission England felt that God say to him, don't coordinate any prayer until I tell you what I want you to do. That's what he felt God say to him. Don't do anything until I tell you what to do. And then the idea came for Christians to get together in threes and pray for three people each that they wanted to take to one of these missions events. And they reckon that loads of people became Christians before they even got to um, broke apart because so many people were praying for them. Thousands of people were getting together in threes and praying. So that is kind of the root uh, for it. And many people since then have found this to have great benefit to support, to um, shape us, to help us to remain fruitful. A few years ago, and you know that myself and Wendy from the uh, northeast of England, you tell by our Geordie accents. Not, we haven't got Geordie accents, by the way. We're from the Midlands. But I had this kind of idea, because uh, of all these youth workers in the northeast of England, wouldn't it be great if they got together in threes and prayed for the young people in our region? And I, 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 I pictured kind of hundreds and hundreds of doing it, and I think there's about 80 or 90 people did it in the end, which is not bad, really. So they got together for threes and just prayed for the young people in the northeast of England, uh, for the church youth groups, for the, the events that we were putting on. And there was a particular... And I had a prayer trip. Then there's another two people that I wanted to pray with. And uh, I thought, I really want to pray for them. Then one of them was called Ken, one of them was called John. And Ken lived near me in Whitney Bay, so it was quite easy. And, um, um, so, and he, was a, he was a paid musician, so he had a lot of free time. And uh, so <laughs> I said, you know, I want to be part of this prayer triplet. And um, so he said, yeah, he, he'd like to be part of it. But the other person, John, lived an hour away. Now, he was kind of, he was a, one of those Christians that's a force of nature into everything. And he went off and worked in America. He got this big award from CNN for social, you know, just, I thought, there's just no way that he's going to do this. He won't have the time. Uh, but I remember seeing him at a conference. Uh, I don't go to conferences, I'm not always at conferences, but I, was, I remember seeing him at a conference. And I said, do you want to grab a coffee with me, John? He says, yeah, that's fine. So I said to him, John, We've got these prayer triplets going. We're praying for young people in the northeast. Uh, Ken was happy to be pray, and I, I just really would like it if you would join us. Every so often, we get together to pray. And he said, uh, "Phil, it's funny you should say that." He said, "I'm really busy." He said, "But a few days ago, I had a dream, and you were in it." And he says, "In the dream, you asked me something." And I knew that I had to do what you asked me to do. It's a shame he was only praying, wasn't it, really? But there you go. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and I thought, that's amazing, isn't it? That God is really in this. So we got together, we prayed. And the first time we just prayed for each other, God would bless us. Then I remember we prayed for our family. And it's, coincidentally, we all, each three of us had two children. And uh, we just prayed and cried for our children, really, that we wanted them to know Jesus. And then we got on to praying for young people of the Northeast. And the long story short is that the fourth time we got together to pray, God just sowed something in our hearts to do something in the Northeast, which I'm not saying to our credit, but he just drew thousands of young people together. It was an idea that we 
copied that somebody else had done in Manchester. Thousands of young people came together. God had an agenda for it. That was, that was the point. God had a purpose for it. And uh, he says, doesn't it, in the Bible, we, we say it when we come together in hundreds, but he says where two or three are gathered, there's, just, there's, there's a depth. You see, that, see, Jesus gathered with the 12, and there was a depth there, and then there's three or four times, and there was a depth of relationship there. And um, there's a depth of, there's just, there's just, where two or three are gathered, there's, something can happen that can't happen sometimes in other situations. So it's maybe that God has laying, been laying on your heart over the weeks or the months to, to get together with two or three other people, maybe for a season, to pray. And even though you start off praying for each other and what you're going through, it's good to pray for our families. It's good to pray for our fruitfulness, that we're going to make a difference. And like with Mission England, it made a difference. And if God has laid it on your heart, let me encourage you to take that initiative. You know, I know that the people in here do get together in threes and fours or twos and threes and pray on a regular basis. And I would encourage you to do it. For a season, it might not be forever, but something can, God might do something incredibly significant there. He says, if you love one another, God abides in us and his love is, is perfected in us. And our love for each other, the way that the depth of relationship means that God perfects things with others. So maybe for a season you want to do that. And uh, the Bible, in, in 59 times in the New Testament, it, it confirms that we, we don't go it alone because it, it's, the phrase one another comes 59 times in the New Testament. So Psalm 133, let me finish with this one verse. It says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there God's commands his blessing he commands his blessing even life forevermore and you know it's good at times to put ourselves in situations where God says I command my blessing here I command my blessing here this is the setting this is the kind of thing where I command my blessing wouldn't it be great that we sense that more and more in situations where you say God is commanding that we bless here because we're doing something that he wants us to do. So I throw that out this morning. Like every, you know, I say, join up the dots, join up the dots, whatever you think that God is saying to you. This might sow a seed in your mind, but for some it might confirm something that God has already asked you to do, and I encourage you to do it. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for each other, first and foremost. We thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we belong to you. We belong to each other. And, Lord, there's so many different ways that you want us to, that you, where you want us to be so you can command your blessing upon our lives. And I pray this morning for those of us where you're speaking to us about deeper fellowship and making connections, uh, maybe graciously um, coming out from the fringe of things, we pray for your grace, Lord, as we, in this whole area, fellowship, praying together, supporting each other. We pray that you would lead us, you would command your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.